Okay, uh, Jeremiah chapter number 31. If you'd find your place there, we're going to take a break from uh, the gospel of Matthew. We're almost to the end of Matthew 12, but we'll, we'll take a pause um, there and come back to it uh, after the missions conference here in the next couple weeks. We're going to preach, get ready for the conference, and of course we'll have the missions conference, and then we'll get back to uh, the gospel of Matthew and I sure have enjoyed that series, but just feel the need and, and the Lord's leading to uh, pause from that. Focus on our theme, really. Uh, love God's way. Love God's way. Love God's way. Think about it as a noun. We need to, uh, we need to know about love God's way. And then if you convert that, English uh, language is very versatile, and you can do that. You can say it as a verb form, imperative. Uh, love God's way. Love God's way. We need to encouragement, help to love God's way. And so that's what we're considering. I'd like to direct your attention uh, now to Jeremiah 31. We're going to do some work in chapter 30. In fact, quite a bit of work in chapter 30, at least referencing chapter 30 as it flows in uh, to chapter number 31. These two chapters really work together in tandem. We'll explain that here in just a few moments as we get into uh, this book of Jeremiah often known as the weeping prophet uh, because he was concerned and, and burdened by what was going on in his land and his people. <clears throat> All right, so notice first one. At the same time, so you can see there's a connection back to chapter 30. At the same time, saith the Lord, <clears throat> will I be the God of all the families of I'm sorry, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. Thus saith the Lord. The people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. Even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. Verse three. The Lord hath appeared of old time unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, God says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. All right, now you say, now that's to Israel. I understand that. I understand that, but we'll learn something about God's love right here. All right, let's read verse 31. I'm sorry, verse 3 again of chapter 31. <clears throat> the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Now, um, I'd ask you maybe to mark your Bible after you're seated in Romans chapter 8. Uh, Brother Ted, the Sunday school lesson that you taught this morning, at least in the, here in the Southwest Bible class, he was in Jude and about uh, how keeping yourselves in love of God. And I mean, it, it was just, just right, just right for the message here today. Um, so the title of the message here this morning, and we'll turn over to Romans 8. I think I mentioned that in just, uh, well, at the end of the message. But the title here this morning is this, The Everlasting Love of God. The Everlasting Love of God. Of God. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you here this morning. 
the everlasting, I, I, hope, I hope every one of us should just get hold of that. You know, we can kind of take it for granted. You know, but really know God loves you in an everlasting way. The everlasting love of God. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's consider this here together. One of the earliest songs I remember learning as a child uh, is the song, God's love is like a circle. I mean, remember that song. By the way, I don't think we should get too old for kids songs. You know, uh, I'm glad along the way, even adults can sing some kids songs. But I remember, you know, uh, Brother Decker would have kids come up and hold the uh, as a, a circle cardboard, you know, sign. And it had the words, God's love is like a circle, a circle big and round. And when you see a circle, no ending can be found. And so the love of Jesus goes on eternally forever and forever. I know that he loves me. God's love is like a circle. D.L. Moody said, uh, I know of no truth in the whole Bible that ought to come home to us with such power and tenderness as that of the love of God. And there is no truth in the Bible that Satan would so much like to blot out. For more than 6,000 years, Satan has been trying to persuade men that God does not love them. And I'm here to tell you today, for in a simple truth, but God does love you. He does. Philip Bliss, uh, he's written a lot of hymns, but he was singing um, the hymn, Oh, How I Love Jesus. I, I love the hymn, don't you? There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. And then the chorus, Oh, How I Love Jesus. But he said this, he said, I, um, I feel guilt, the, the words are true, I'm sorry, he said, the words are true, yet I feel guilty having sung so much about my poor love for Christ and so little about his endless love for me. And so he wrote the song. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of the love in, his, in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest, that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I'm about to break out in a song right here. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. And then another uh, verse of the song says this, Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. Isn't that good? It's a blessing. Maybe you need to know that today. Well, I know you need to know that. Every one of us need to know that. A.W. Tozer, I, I love to read some of the writings of A.W. Tozer. And, and he said this, if you allow me just to read just a little bit of this, and then we'll, we'll get into our text here in just a moment. But uh, he said this, from, from God's other attributes, we may learn something about his love. We can know, for instance, that God is self-existent. That means his love 
had no beginning. God is eternal. That means his love has no end. <laughs> he is infinite. Infinite means he's without limit. So God's love is without limit. God is holy. Therefore, his love is the essence of pureness and, and holiness. Spotless purity, he says. God is immense. He's beyond what we can understand. Isn't that true? God is beyond what we can understand. So he says, his love is an incomprehensible, incomprehensibly vast, bottomless, and shoreless sea. I'm going to pause right there just so you can kind of get that in your mind. A bottomless, you cannot, you cannot find the bottom of it. You, it has no shore. There, there, it's a shoreless sea. He says, before which we must kneel in joyful silence and all the eloquence of the world could never convey. Be a, he said, a shame trying. But then, then he went on to say this. Yet if we would know God and for others' sake, tell what we know. If we would know God and tell others, for others' sake, tell what we know, we must try to speak of his love. We must try to speak of his love. All Christians have tried, but none have ever done it very well. <laughs> I can no more do justice to that awesome, wonder-filled theme than a child can grasp a star. Still, by reaching towards the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction that you must look to see it. So as I say, they could. He can't grasp that star, but he can show you where it is so you can look at it. And so he goes on to say, so as I stretch my heart towards the high shining love of God, someone who has not known it before may be encouraged at least to look and see where it is. And this morning I'd encourage you, look towards Calvary, my friend. I can't begin even to grasp the fact that he loved us. It's beyond our comprehension, but how about I say, just look that way towards Calvary and you'll see that God loves you. I'd like to call your attention today to God's love, but specifically this, the endless nature of God's love, his, the everlasting nature of his love, the everlasting nature, that it just goes on and on. And even, even when we've been unfaithful to God, his love is steady. Our passage here uh, describes God's everlasting love and his plan to restore Israel, the nation Israel. Years of spiritual neglect, years of outright rebellion left their land desolate and their people dispersed all over the world. It'd take a miracle to restore Israel. Yet that's what he's doing. And that's what he's going to do, friend. 
Here they were in a national crisis. I mean, at the time of Jeremiah's writing, they're at a time when they needed hope. I'm preaching to you today, this passage, not just to go through some ancient history and look at, at, that, at it that way, but to do this, to say, listen, you may be at a time when you need some hope in your life. See, if they're going to be restored as a nation, then they needed hope. And that hope, just like today, just like the hope for you to be restored, is rooted in the everlasting love of God. We'd have no hope without his love, friend, but we have all the hope that we need because of his love. God loves you no matter how far you've gone away from him. God loves you. And in Christ Jesus, our Lord, you are, if you're saved today, you are eternally secure. You cannot read this Bible. You cannot read the New Testament and not come firmly to the conclusion of eternal security, not because of us, but because of him. Amen. Eternal security. Our love is so conditional, isn't it? Our love is so fickle. His love is everlasting. His love is constant. His love is enduring. Jeremiah was a, the prophet on the scene at one of Israel's darkest hours. It was, it was a difficult time, and he did so at great personal cost. Jeremiah did, and, and the, he was preaching really in many ways with what would have been Israel's last chance. And given all that Jeremiah would face, in fact, he would, he would even talk about that, write about that, that just how overwhelming it was. And, and even, even preachers need to know about the everlasting love of God. Because sometimes preachers get overwhelmed. Isn't that the truth? And the people of God get overwhelmed with all that we're facing today. You and I need to know about the everlasting love of God. The political scene was shifting Judah's kings from Josiah to Jehoahaz and Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin to Zedekiah. I mean, there's all this political chaos. Do you know about political chaos? Well, when you experience some political chaos, you need to know about the everlasting love of God and that his administration has no end. World powers were waning and others were rising. Assyria was kind of waning in, in power. Egypt was losing grip. Babylon was picking up steam. Economics were, were at a high place of taxation. And, and so in all the, all the midst of all that was going on around them, they needed to know about the everlasting love of God. They were being deported uh, at the time of Jehoiakim. They would begin three waves of deportation and they would, be, they would lose their land. Are you listening to me here this morning? They would be deported out of their land. In other words, what I'm saying is this, is that their life, their, normal, their sense of normalcy was being uh, taken away. No, everything was different now. You feel that way. Things aren't quite the same. Now, I'm glad things are back to a better sense of being normal. Amen. Can I get a amen right there? Thank God for that. But, but at the same time, I mean, things are not back to normal. By the way, uh, not everything ought to go back to the way it was. But they lost their sense of normalcy. And, but in the midst of times when, when even in your life, even when you're overwhelmed, even, even when, when you're experiencing some things in your life, I walked, <coughs> pardon me, I walked around this morning and I, and I talked to some individuals and, and the, the way their life was at one time because of the process of aging and, and, and uh, dealing with some health issues, it's just not the same now. But I'll tell you what is the same, God's love for them. Amen. 
So even when, when things are in a state where, where things aren't normal, maybe you've lost a loved one or maybe your family's gone through some tough times and, and things just aren't like they used to be, then listen, remember this, God's like he used to be. And he always will be the way that he is. And his love doesn't vary with the changing of time, the changing seasons of time. And, and so what we're looking at here in chapter 30 and chapter number 31 are, are, is really a collection of hope, a book of hope. And in the midst of all that they were facing, God's saying, I know it's bad right now. I know it looks rough right now. I know it's difficult right now, but I've got a plan. I'm going to restore you. Chapter 30 is the restoration of the land. Chapter 31 is more the restoration of the people. Uh, Brother W.L. Smith was kind enough to uh, share his notes with me on this particular passage uh, sometime uh, back, and he summed it up this way. God would restore them. They would be restored to the land and restored to the Lord. It's a good way to remember. They'd be restored to the land and restored to the Lord. See, their, their reason for hope was rooted in God's word. Chapter 30, look back just briefly here. We're not going to take the time to go through all these verses, though they're, they're certainly worthy of our detailed study, but we're, we're not going to take the time to really delve into all of it. But chapter 30 and verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, write all these words that I've spoken to thee in a book. And friend, listen, we've got it. Here's, here's why we... Here's, how, here's why we know that, that Israel is going to be restored. Now, you, you say, why, why are you taking some time to talk about Israel? It's God's people. We have the Word of God because God used the people of Israel. We, we have our Messiah because God used the people of Israel. So God's continuing His program. Don't let anybody tell you differently because if they tell you differently than that, then they're speaking differently than what God speaks. Okay? Uh, we have not replaced Israel. We are not the new Israel. No, 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 no. Still the nation Israel and God's working in their midst. Okay. And in the chapter 30, it's going to talk about the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble. That's, that's the time of tribulation. So it's going to even describe that. See, uh, oftentimes what happens in, in prophecy is, is Jeremiah is getting a glimpse and I don't think he, he, no, I don't know. He didn't understand it all, but he maybe understood a little bit of what was happening right here with Israel, the Northern kingdom and how they would go into Assyrian captivity. And then the Southern kingdom of Judah and how they would go into Babylonian captivity and then God would ultimately bring them back in the land. But listen, what we're reading in chapter 30 and chapter number 31 goes way beyond those two times of captivity and it goes into our modern times. In fact, it goes beyond that to the time after the trumpet sounds, whenever that is, and it goes right into the tribulational period and then it goes into how he would establish his literal kingdom upon the earth with Jerusalem as his capital. To the chagrin of liberal politics and others that care not for Israel, but God still cares for Israel, which Jerusalem is now the capital. So this is kind of shaping up nicely. Anyways. I don't mean to go political on you. In fact, I'm not going political on you. I'm going biblical on you. All right. This is Bible. I'm telling you, this is, their hope was not rooted in the ideas of man. I mean, I, I read, I'm, I'm still working through the book you gave me, uh, Brother Raspberry. I've just kind of been reading other stuff but about how that God was restoring Israel and, and, and working through different ones, you know, uh, uh, through, the, through the even our more modern times. And I mean, they had ideas, the Zionists, and even to this day, the restoration of Israel. I mean, there's a lot of ideas that were floating around out there. And, 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 it's, and it's wonderful. David Ben-Gurion and other names. 
names like that. People that had Jews that had an idea, let's get back to Israel. We don't want to settle in Africa. They tried to get them to settle there in Africa, but they said, no, Israel is our homeland. We want to go back to our homeland. Well, look, that wasn't just the ideas of Jews. That was the idea of God. It still is the idea of God. And so that's what we're reading about is how God put it in his word. It was not just their dreams. It was not just their ideas. It was the word of God. And so what I'm getting at is this. Listen, the hope we have, the love of God that we need to know, it's not just the ideas of man. It's not our dreams and wishes. Oh, I hope God loves us. No, listen, here's what you can do. You can sing with the little kids. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible, the Bible tells me so. When you doubt God's love, go to his word. It has not changed. It still says that God so loved the world. It still says that here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Listen, friend, it is in God's word. You may not read it in the paper. You may not read it on your next bill that comes your way. It may not seem to read that way, but I'm telling you, it's still that way in his word that God loves you. Your doctor's report that comes may not seem like it says that God loves you, but listen, friend, it does not change with whatever doctor's report you get or whatever the newspaper says about what's going on in Russia, in Ukraine, in China, in whatever place it is, else it may be. Listen, in God's word, in black and white, preserved and settled in heaven, it says God loves you. Amen. I have a preaching fit every now and then right here. It's good stuff. The days come. The days come, verse 3 of chapter number 30. The days come that I will bring again the captivity of, captivity of my people Israel and Judah and cause them, he says, to return. And then he makes, he makes some analogies. There are some wonderful word pictures in this text about how that God would restore them. He talks about how the, the yoke would be broken, the yoke of oppression in their life. And he would break the yoke of Assyria. He would break the yoke of Babylon. He would break the yoke of Rome. He would break the rope, the rope, the yoke of others that would try to oppress the people of God. I want to thank God today that God, in his loving kindness towards you and I as well, can break the yokes of oppression even that we bind ourselves with. That he can deliver you from the sins and the sins that bind you and, and confine you and bring you down. Hey, listen, God loves you regardless of what you've done. He loves you way too much to leave you that way. He wants to change your life and he's able to do that and give you some hope. And he uses that analogy. And, and then he uses the analogy about a wound, a wound that, that, that they caused that would not heal on their own. You know what we read about or what we watch on, on television or what you maybe uh, scroll and you see something about Israel on your phone and, and you hear about another peace treaty? You hear about another broken peace treaty? You hear about this and that and what's going on. Here's what you, what you find. You find man trying to heal themselves. But when the prince of peace comes and the Lord Jesus Christ who has healing in his wings, when he comes, then they shall truly be healed. That's in chapter 30. And then also in chapter 30 is how they go through this, this storm, this, this whirlwind of activity, but God would bring them through the storm. But at this current time, hang on, hang on just a minute, at this current time, there's fear, there's unrest, there's an unsettledness even in Israel. I'm talking about the nation Israel. I'm getting to us here in just a minute. But there's fear and there's unrest in Israel. There's unrest in the Middle East. I don't have to convince you of that, right? There's all kinds of unrest in the Middle East. And, and, and so here's, the, here's what they needed to focus on in their times of unrest. He loves us. Amen. 
with an everlasting love. I'm bringing that out because you've got anxieties. I'm bringing that out because you've got turmoil maybe in your soul from time to time as things happen or, or you're thinking about the future, or thinking about how in the world am I going to get all this done? Has everybody, anybody ever had any of those thoughts? How are we going to do this? How are we going to raise this kid? How are we going to make this marriage work? How, how are we going to deal with this family issue? How are we going to get that bill and that bill and that bill paid? They all seem to come at one time. How are we going to get all this done? Hey, remember, in, your midst of, in the midst of your turmoil and the unsettledness of your soul, he still loves you. <laughs> and the security of their future. I mean, it's, it's as good as done. The security of their future could help them today. You see, I'm not just talking about Israel here. I mean, we're, we're not, most of us not Jewish. If it was all just about the Jews, then we'd be out. But even though you're not a Jew, if you are saved, you are in Christ. Jesus our Lord, and watch this, because of Him, your salvation and your place in heaven, it's as good as done. It is done. In fact, it is finished. And you will someday, I mean, just think about the glorious truth of that. Someday, someday I'll be in His presence. And someday if you're saved, you'll be in His presence. It's settled. I, I have weird thoughts along the way. Do you have any? I'm sure I'm not the only one. But I'll think sometimes, you know, even around Thanksgiving, you know, once Thanksgiving's winding, you know, winding down and, and it's over. And, and then I'll think, you know, before I know it, it'll be Thanksgiving again. You know? And then, 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 I, then okay, I know I'm weird, but then, then the next year I think, hey, I thought about this a year ago. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> hey, but, but hang on, here's the greater reality. Because of who we are in Christ Jesus, someday, friend, You'll be in heaven. And, and before we know it, we'll be in heaven. I mean, if the trumpet sounded right now, that'd be rather quick. But before you know it, I mean, really, you think about this life, 70 years, 80 years, however long God lets you live, 90 years, you know, something like that. Hey, but before you know it, I mean, in reality, you'll be in heaven. That's quite a thought. Not just a thought, that's quite a truth. So here's what we ought to do then. Allow that settled truth to help us Right here on this day in February. Regardless of what you're facing, He loves you in eternity. You know that's true. He loves you today in the present just as much as He does then. His love is eternal. It's eternal. There's more. There's no country too far away from God not to bring them back. I'm a little bit ahead of myself right here, but I'll go ahead and mention it. The Jews have been persecuted in Russia. The Jews have been persecuted, were severely persecuted, mistreated in Poland and other places. I mean, all kinds of countries, they've been, they've been chased, hunted down, killed. And yet God's able to bring them back. What I'm saying to you, again, as we interface between these two thoughts is this. It does not matter how far away from seeing God's love is like a circle, a circle big and round. It doesn't matter how far away you are from those days. He still loves you just as much as when you were six years old. You say, well, now I'm, 
I'm 50 something, thank you. And, and uh, <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of stress in my life. And, and, and uh, in other words, you've got kids and, and maybe you've got grandkids, right? And you've got responsibilities and, and you've got you know, failures and where you've messed up. And man, wasn't life great when you were six? Seeing God's love is like a circle, a circle big and round. Well, it's just as true today as it was then. And maybe you're away from God right now. Maybe that somebody's here that maybe hadn't been in church in a long time. It doesn't matter how far away you've got away from God, friend. Listen, He still loves you. And He can bring you back. There's no country too far from which God can't bring you back. You listen to me here this morning. There's no place in your life where God couldn't restore you. You've given up hope, but He's not given up hope. His love is an everlasting love. Yep. There's even chastening. You say, see, I told you He didn't love me. Whom He loves, He chastens. Hebrews 12, Proverbs 3. Whom He loves, He chastens. The fact that you are being chastened, corrected right now means He loves you. Cares about you. He loves you too much to stay uninvolved in your life. And you can be restored because of the everlasting love of God. And he wants to bring you back into a personal relationship because of the everlasting love of God. And he will not fail to carry out his plans because of the everlasting love of God. He who began a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. If you're saved today, now if you're not saved today, you need to trust him today as your savior. And that'll begin a whole new work in your life, a whole new journey in your, in your life. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to know him as your savior. And, but, but, but if you do today, Listen, be assured of this. He began a good work in you and he's not given up yet. And he will not. He's relentless. Here we have before us in these chapters and we're, believe it or not, we're actually back to chapter number 31 where we started. He says, uh, he, he says in verse number three, the Lord appeared to me of old time saying, yea, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Would you please pause here to just think about who he's saying this to? To whom he's saying this? He's saying this to Jews who've been unfaithful to him. God has loved them. He loved them in the time of famine, in the days of Jacob. He loved them in the time of Egypt and, draw, and drew them out under the leadership of Moses. He loved them and sustained them, did he not? Through the wilderness in the, under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And then he gave them the land of the loving leadership of Joshua. And then things went crazy in the book of Judges and yet his love didn't leave them. He loved them even in a time of their rebellious years. And he loved them, listen to this very carefully here, my friend. He loved them even when they rejected him. And they said, we don't want you to be our king. We want our own form of a king. And they got Saul. And God loved them through the times of the kings and the prophets. And he loved them and brought them back in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel. And he loved them in the years of silent years in, in between the Testaments, the Old and the New Testament. And then he loved them when John the Baptist showed up on the scene and told them the Messiah was coming. And he loved them with the infinite love, the greatest form of his love, when his own son showed up on the scene. And when he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. It was God saying to them and it's God saying to us, it does not matter who you are, where you've come from, what you've done, friend. I love you with an everlasting love. Still, he loves us and into their modern times and established as a nation and, and, and 1948 and, and in the times of the six day war and all those things that came against Israel. God still sheltered them. God still loved them and he still does and he still will and he always will and he's at work. Yes. 
mercy sakes alive, the everlasting love of God. I have loved thee, God says. I've loved thee. Do you see it? Second person singular. It's not plural. He's saying individually, I have loved you. Would you take it personal this morning? I've loved you, God says. I've loved you. I've loved you. I've loved you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, oh, I love the word. The word hesed is, is, is in, in Hebrew. It's used 255 times. It's used 128 times in the book of Psalms. And it's about this God's covenant faithfulness to his people. You'll see it as loving kindness. You'll see it as mercy. You'll see it as love. You'll see it in all kinds of different ways, but it's basically saying this, even though you've been unfaithful, I have not. And I will not and I cannot be unfaithful. That's his everlasting love for you, friend. And with that loving kindness, that steadfast, loyal love of God, that covenant faithfulness of God, he says, I have drawn you with that. I love the word drawn as I studied it out. It's about how that he drew me up out of a horrible pit and established my feet in Psalm 40. It's used how they drew Joseph up out of that pit. It's used how they drew Jeremiah up out of that pit in that dungeon. In other words, here's what he's saying. I've loved you so much that I'm willing to reach way down, reach way down to where you are and bring you up out of that horrible pit. Friend, listen, he loves you. He reached way down and reached me. Did he reach you? You're not out of his reach. Trusting him as your savior brings you into, listen to this, an eternal relationship with him. I give unto them eternal life. I read in John 10. He gives them eternal life. How long does that last? As long as his love does. How long does his love last? Everlasting. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? everlasting life. His love is everlasting. So when you trust him as your savior, you become his son, you become his daughter. His love for you does not change. He doesn't write you off and say, I'm done with you as my child. You're no longer my child. You're unregenerate again. No, no. When you are regenerate, you can't be unregenerate. Everybody follow me. No, when you're born again, you're born into his family. You're forever his child. I remember very distinctly the day that I uh, we had snow on the ground in, in Kentucky and, and my dad had a, uh, a cover on a spare tire on the back of his uh, land cruiser and it had, uh, had a coon on the back because we did some coon hunting and it said Gadabout Gaddis. You know who Gadabout Gaddis is? Gadabout Gaddis was a fisherman, but he also was a hunter in my dad. But anyways, had that, that, uh, that cover on that and I took that cover because it looked just like a sled. Round, slick. And without him knowing it, we used it as a sled. But then he found out that we found out how fast it would go as a sled. And then I found out how quickly I should not do that ever again in my whole life. But I'm telling you, he didn't say to me, all right, Jason Gaddis, that's it. You're no longer the son of, of Raymond Gaddis. Cross the line right there, your brother too. No, he didn't do that. No, he was not pleased with what we did with that with that cover. He wasn't pleased with that and he told us not to do it again and we got chastened just in case you're wondering. Yes, it was wrong. It was wrongdoing, but it didn't change my status as his son. That's the word of God illustrated. He, he, listen, his love for you doesn't change just because you, you've done wrong against him. If you're saved today, then you're eternally saved. Peter said, They're kept, we are kept by the power of God 
I'm glad it's that way. I'm glad I'm not kept by my own power. I would have lost it and lost it and lost it and lost it over and over again. But I'm kept and you're fear saved. You're kept by the power of God. He's given unto them eternal life. He that hath the son hath, that's present tense, hath eternal life right now. I got it right now. I'm not waiting to get it. I got it. I, I know it may not be the best English, but it's good theology. Romans 8. Romans 8. Boy, I hope you got it today. He loves you. With an everlasting love. You've got adversaries. You've got adversity in your life. You've got difficulties in your life. And you've messed up yourself. Verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? What things? All that he said in chapter 8 that we don't have time to cover that you'll take time to read later. What, should, what shall we say to these things? Maybe even he's reflecting all the way back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. The whole book of Romans, in fact, that, that he, the infinite God, the holy God loves us, sinful man, and sent his son. And that God committed his love toward us not in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What shall we say to these things? That justification is by grace through faith? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? You say, man, I feel like everybody's against me. It's like, you know, Jacob, you know, when everything was going bad, all these things are against me. You've had some moments like that. Man, the weather's against me. My car's against me. The copier's against me. The boss is against me. Everybody's against me. My husband's against me. My wife's against me. My, my family's against me. I'll tell you who's not against you. If you're saved today, God's not against you. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also get freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. justifieth. Who, is, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And then look at this question in verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's not my love for him, friend. That's not, oh, how I love Jesus, because there's a lot of things that separate me from my love for him. Sometimes it could be money. Sometimes it could be lustful thoughts. Sometimes it could be bitterness. All kinds of things can separate me from, his, from, from loving him. But nothing, nothing, nothing could ever, 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 ever separate his love from me and from you. Who, he says, shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written? For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, hang on. Hang on, he says. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him. That what? Loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. And just in case he forgot anything else, nor any other creature, including you. You a creature? Nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm reaching for it today. 
The everlasting love of God. It's like, I can't reach the star. You, you fall on back at the beginning of the sermon, not to re-preach it, but I'm just referring back. It's right there. It's beyond my description. But it's not beyond what's true. It's reality. God will be faithful to you even when you haven't been faithful to him because of his everlasting love. Your life can be restored because of his everlasting love. <clears throat> There's no valid reason for you to be in despair because of his everlasting love. Spoke with a gentleman on the way in. And uh, we were talking about the state of some of the young people in America. In public high schools, and not just public high schools, but Christian high schools and homeschool and so forth. You know what they need to know? The everlasting love of God. And they're trying to get into gangs. Why? Because they want acceptance. Well, in Christ Jesus, they have the acceptance that they need. And some young lady's running after some guy and messing her life up ever before it even gets started because she wants to feel loved. What she needs to know is God loves her unconditionally. He, God, is not like that eighth grade peep squeak that says, I love you with all my heart and I'll always be here for you. And next week he was some other girl. They need to know the everlasting love of God. And, and I wouldn't take it to its full end if I didn't at least say this. Since our theme is love God's way, then that means we need to love like God loves. Which means then we're going to have to love others with His love because my love's not like that. How about yours? And your love for your spouse? It's an everlasting love that God wants you to show suddenly love sounds conditional doesn't it because I'll show him love when he starts I'll love her when she simmers down a little bit huh wait a minute oh man it just went personal didn't it we're supposed to love the way God loves love your kids Even when they disappoint you, hurt you. You think Israel didn't hurt God? I, I realize it's a human emotion. I understand that. But do you think God's not displeased? Sure He is. I mean, we've read the text. It's very evident. They sinned against God, and yet He still loved them. Your kids, your grandkids, etc., etc., may sin against you, obviously. But ultimately, remember, their sins against God. And we're supposed to love them the same way God loves us. And then we are to love one another. I feel like I've come up short today to really capture and explain to you the love of God. But if I had a thousand more sermons on His love, I'd still come up short. I can't explain it fully, but I can rest in it. Amen. That He loves us Amen. with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, He draws you. Let's stand together. <clears throat>
How many of you today, as you stand and we prepare for invitation, would say, I know I'm saved today because I trusted Him by grace through faith to save me. Is that you? Would you raise your hand to that? I hope you never tire of, of giving even just an uplifted hand by public testimony. Yes, I know Him as my Savior. Thank you. you may put your hands down. He loves you with an everlasting love. Today, if you couldn't raise your hand right there, I'm just going to ask everyone to bow their head and give a privacy to this moment. If you couldn't raise your hand right there, and you say, if I die today, I don't know that for sure, but I know I need to. Would you raise your hand right now while I'm looking around the room? Is there anybody here that doesn't know him as your Savior personally? Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone? I'm looking around here trying not to miss anybody that maybe is in need of salvation. Would you raise your hand high and maybe even look this way to make sure I've seen you? Anybody like that here today? If I'm overlooking someone, we have people with a Bible that'll take a Bible, the Bible and show you from God's Word what He says about how to be saved. Have you been saved today? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? Do you have assurance of salvation? God wants you to. He's written these things that you might know that you have eternal life. It may be a day that God just put that message on my heart and mind to convey to you, just to remind you that He loves you. It's certainly, you say, I don't think this really had a whole lot to do with missions. Well, you think about God's love needing to be known in all the world, it does. But you need to know God's love today if you're going to extend it to others. So, Father, I pray that you bless the invitation time. Help us extend it the way that you want. You're the one that's drawing. And we know that you would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Would you help those that need salvation and then help those that are saved? Lord, just to be at peace and rest, not based on their performance, but based on you and what you said. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 483 today. Would you come? God spoke to your heart.